0: Wow, that was amazing. I thought he was introducing somebody else <laughs> i 'm just kidding no it 's just an honor to be here and it's honor it 's an honor to see faces and to be home. This is like home number one, and Idaho is home number two and so, like Pastor Jim said, um, I pretty much grew up here and uh, was just a part of this fabulous ministry and had the honor of serving with Pastor Jim and Dina for almost twelve years. Um, on staff, and then we just felt a a transition in our hearts, and both of us cried. As I'm like, I think I'm supposed to leave, and he's like, Why? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but but he said, Wait. He did say why. He didn't say it that dramatic. And I said, I don't know. I just I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. And they sent us out of here. Uh, Dina and Pastor just blessed us and encouraged us. This house has been a huge support. And we are just so grateful and will always be so it's just an honor to be here today How many guys are just excited to get into the Word of God today? Yeah, I'm just excited too The Word of God has just become even that much more in the season the unknown season that we have been in as a globe and I want to challenge you to be people who Study the heart of Jesus, you know who desire to know this man to no end, you know Um, up north so what we say up here, we can say up north. there's these three guys that actually went on this really cool Jeep trail up north in the UP, and they had to cross this river, and they this river was vigorous, it was raging, it was violent, there's white caps and one of the guys, um, being a, a believer and a religious man, said, "God, I just need I just asked that you'd give me strength to cross this river." and poof, like his arms and legs just studded out like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he dove into that river and he swam across that river and it took him two hours. Well, the second guy just observed what had happened and he, also being a religious man, prayed and he said, Father, I just pray that you'd give me the strength and the tools to cross this river. And poof, his arms and legs roided out and there was a boat and he just kind of rode across the river. It took him, you know, can you say road? Road He started rowing across the river, and he made it in in 30 minutes. So the third guy, being a religious man as well, he prayed, and he said, God, I just pray that you would give me strength, supernatural strength. You'd give me the tools and incredible intelligence. And poof, God turned that man into a woman. And... (laughs) And that woman actually looked at the map and just hiked up a couple minutes up the river and crossed over on the bridge. How many of you guys are so grateful for the women in your life today? Now, ladies, you have women in your life, too. And I just want to say this to all the women in the house because there's more women in here, I believe, just by glancing out. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to my wife and my mom and my family. Thank you for being steady. Dina, thank you for being steadfast. And happy birthday. I know it was last week, but thank you for being steadfast today. The, the joke that I told you today has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about, but I just thought it was really good. So I want to welcome everyone that's podcasting and live streaming with us today. How about we do an open prayer? We say it out loud together. Just repeat after me. Say, open my eyes to see what you see. Empower me to create healthy culture. With my words, my life, my love, your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, yeah, amen. I'm just honored to be a part of this series um, titled Prayer, and today I just want to declare some things over your heart, and then I want to invite you into a story. Thank you so much, Kelly. You have a cool Jeep. Um, I just want to invite you into this story today that God is telling In our land today, if we're going to sustain a movement of God, especially in these times, especially in the season that we're in, we must become people of prayer who are passionate about the heart of God. Oswald Chambers said this, and with a name like Oswald, it's got to be good. He said, our ordinary views of prayer are not found in the New Testament. Our ordinary views of prayer are not found in the New Testament. And God is inviting us to this place of posture. Everybody say posture. God is inviting you into this place, inviting me into this place of prayer. You see, the kingdom of God, all of that it possess and all that he is, God, and the resources, the kingdom of God is governed by prayer. I think that's a power statement on the screen. The kingdom of God is governed by prayer, but our culture is shaped by prayer. The kingdom of God is governed by prayer, but our culture is shaped by prayer. It says this in Matthew 5:43 through 44 in the message. It says, you're familiar with the old written law. Love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. And Jesus says this, I'm challenging that. I'm challenging that way of life, that way of thinking, that culture. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. This is really good. Like, we could just land a plane in this scripture. So if you didn't bring your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen. But swipe, get into the word real fast. But I love this translation of this. It says, respond, church. When someone gives you a hard time, how many of you guys are in a hard time? Oh, just 10 of us. Okay, everybody else, you are incredible, and I need to get your number afterwards because I want to know how you're doing it. But he says, if, if someone gives you a hard time, if you're in a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. That's some whammy jammer right there. Mark eleven twenty four. It says, "Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they'll be granted to you." Second Chronicles seven fourteen. This is a common, commonly quoted scripture. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. His kingdom is governed by prayer, but our culture is shaped by prayer. And it's amazing to me how just kind of prayer just kind of gets put on the back shelf whenever we're facing a crisis, whenever we're facing unknown territory, whenever we're facing, and I'm not saying it's true of your heart. I'm saying it's true of my heart at times where the first thing I go to isn't prayer. And God is reminding my spirit. He's reminding his church that that should be the first choice, the first weapon of, of use is to pray, is to come to this place. I love this in Colossians 4 too, It says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. This word devotion, and I just want to unpack it real fast because I think sometimes words lose their meaning when we just kind of just quote or just just state some scriptures and we're just kind of like, oh, that's real nice. Well, this word devote, when the Bible's talking about devotion, it actually is a commitment to some purpose or an ardent love, a steadfast, enduring love, committed in the face of trials and in the face of obstacles, the root of devotion is to devote to a sacred use. Devotion dwells, dwells in the realm of quietness and is still before God. It's the serious, thoughtful, meditative heart. I was 19 years old, and it was the 90s, which is crazy to say because I'm turning 40 next month. And it's true. My mom has told me that this just happens Things in my body don't work the way they used to. Now, some of you guys are already there or past that, and you already know what I'm talking about. Getting out of bed, you have interesting noises that take place in your knees and in your ankles, right? 19 years old, I was here at this church, and I was a youth leader and and served here at this church. And I remember I would said I was going to be a part of a, a, an experimental Internship that the church was going to have. And when I was 19, I met my wife. And in this internship, you weren't allowed to date or to have a conversation with the opposite sex. Like you chose to be in that type of, um, you know, internship here, and you just chose to do that. Well, we, just before that, I was going to do that that summer, and we had met the Christmas before that summer. And Brooke was actually a hard catch. I don't think actually I caught her. I had to fight for her. I had to, like, get her. I had to hunt her down. I had to pursue her. And many times when I would ask her to do anything, she would say often, no, I don't think I want to do that. I'm like, oh, geez, I've never felt rejected before, but this is really pretty awful. Usually people say yes, but you said no. I mean, I think I'm actually a pretty good catch, but apparently I'm not. So, you know what I mean? Like, these are the thoughts that are running through my head, but I'm not saying that out loud. And I remember the first, like, moment that we were trying to define the relationship, DTR, ardent love. Like, we were trying to define this. I didn't know what to think. And we went to this coffee house, and this is important today. We went to this coffee house, and I remember sitting with my friends, and I was in college at the time. And they said, so are you guys, like, together? And I didn't know how to respond because we weren't holding hands. We weren't, like, Brooke was this beautiful, pure vessel, like this beautiful person. Like, she was like the fourth person in the Trinity, and I didn't want to screw it up, you know what I mean? Like, seriously, she was just so amazing, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to respond to this, because we're just hanging out, and we're developing a friendship, and, 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 and as I'm kind of stuttering, and it felt like a whole five minutes, it was really only, like, you know, a second, Brooke said out loud at the table, Yes, we're together. And I was like, shoot, we're together. You know what I mean? Like, we just defined it. She did. And I said, yes. Like, this is awesome. That night, I took her home. And I was dropping her off at her parents. And and, um, I wanted to tell her that night, like, I loved her. I've never told anyone this. And I never could tell anybody this because love is a big word. Like I knew as a young kid that love was a big word. She said, well, I want to tell you something first. I'm like, ladies first. And she's like, I love you. And I'm like, well, I love you. But I'm going to go do this internship this summer and we can't be together. What do you think about that? It was a big deal. And so I did it. And we just, um, we we made it, like, we did it, I didn't get to talk to her, it was awful, it sucked, I was frustrated, I know she was, fr- I saw, like, young adult dudes who were awesome men of God hitting on her, and I'm like, come on, man, like, you're my friend, and, like, you know about us, why are you doing this, like, we're friends, like, I can't do anything about it, I can't even say anything, and I, I remember sitting at this young adult night after service, and I remember I would just watch her, because that's all I could do right, in groups of people, which sounds creepy, but it wasn't, <laughs> but I remember just sitting there, and I just enjoyed seeing her, and I remember this younger, um, this other young adult girl came and sat, like, right in front of me, like, I was kind of observing these other guys hitting on Brooke, and, and this other girl came and sat right in front of me. She put her hand on my, like, knee, and I'm like, Wait, who are you? And she's just like, Adam, I've missed you. I'm like, I don't even know your name. How have you missed me? Like, I'm thinking all these things, and I, I've seen her, like, one other time. and had a conversation with her, And I don't even remember her name. And she's telling me about how she's missed me and where she was. And the whole time, I'm thinking, like, don't you know? Like, those two dudes, they don't know, and you don't know? Like, I'm betrothed to that woman over there. Like, that's how I felt. I'm committed. And in a moment, I said something that I don't regret, but I didn't handle it very well. But I was devoted. I was committed. Even when I didn't feel like she was even, and she didn't do anything wrong, even when I observed that maybe she wasn't all the way in, or maybe things weren't looking the greatest for us to be together. I was still devoted, and I said to this girl, and I didn't handle it very well, I said, man, I I wonder how the weather's going to be tomorrow, and then I got up and walked away. That's all I did. I didn't know what else to do. I was afraid. I didn't want to, like, hurt her feelings, (laughs) and I totally did, right? The reason I tell you that story is this word, devotion, devotion. I feel like this word committed has lost its meaning in our culture. And it's just something we, it's like optional. Prayer is this optional thing of a Christian, of a believer as a son and daughter of God. And I call you to a place of ardent love. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. It's not an option. You devote yourself to prayer. There's a commitment in spite of a storm. There's a commitment in spite of a woman who puts her hand on your knee, right? You choose the latter. You choose to be, and he says, devoted to prayer, keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. Everyone say thanksgiving. In our culture, we have a lot of phrases like have a nice day, good luck, take care of the luck you might have, right? Um, I'll see you soon. Like how many of you guys have just said things and you just say it because like I'll be thinking of you because this is a, it's a safe thing to say. And I would say that a lot of us, we have these similar phrases in the Christian world. I'll pray for you. But then we don't actually walk and contend in the prayer in the simple phrases that we have in Christianity. And sometimes what God is trying to lead us to is that it's more than just babbling words. It's it's more than just saying a few phrases over someone. No, God is leading us to a place where we understand the foundation of prayer and the purpose of prayer. Listen to how some of our Christian culture prays, right? Right? For example, and I've done this, I'm talking about me, bless me and bless my family, bless our food, bless this night, be with me, traveling mercies, mercies while we travel, apparently we need mercies while we travel, be with me on this date, man, I hope that I'm able to communicate my love, help me with this, watch over and protect us Which our interpretation is no flat tires when we're traveling, or uh, we just, we did fly here from Idaho. We don't wanna experience the TV show Lost. Um, I wanna have a comfortable life. I wanna live long and healthy. And I'm here to tell you there's nothing wrong with any of those phrases. There's nothing wrong with asking for the prosperity of your family. But I wanna challenge you to a place where you know and learn that there is more to prayer than asking God to get on your scene to work his magic. A lot of our prayers, a lot of the weight of what we say to God begins with me and ends with self, right? If you were just to to, to kind of, Be a third person in your prayer life with the Lord. I bet a lot of our prayers would sound a lot like what I just said, that it's about God getting onto our scene and working his stuff in my plans, in my journey, in my, I need to know where I am going. I need to know what I need to do with my life. And somewhere along the path of life, each of us have learned that if we want something, God's gonna give it to us. And I'll say this, there's truth in this. There's validity in asking God for things. It actually says in the scriptures that he pays attention to every detail of our life. He cares like a good dad about his kids. No doubt, that is very true. So I'm not discrediting that, but shouldn't our prayers sound more like make me a blessing? You guys tracking with me? Use me for your glory. God, allow me to be the hope. Right? God, your kingdom come, not my kingdom, your will be done. The sole purpose of prayer is connection with the one you speak with. The sole purpose of prayer is connection with the one. You speak with there are many kinds of prayer. There's the petitioning prayer. There's the silent prayer. There's intercessory and thanksgiving prayer There's listening and just soaking in his presence, but at its heart prayer is nothing more Or less than opening up your heart to jesus intimately It's this state of vulnerability It's the state of being connected as a man and a woman are connected My wife is the only friend who knows all of me Besides Jesus. Prayer is simply about connection between you and your God. E.M. Bounds said this. He's a general in the faith, a missionary. Prayers are deathless. They outlive the lives of those who uttered them. And that is a power statement. Prayers are deathless. They outlive the lives of those who uttered them. Think about it. Our prayers outlive generations. Generations. Our prayers, the words we say will continue to go forward, will continue to move mountains. I, I was talking to my mom months ago before the whole, like kind of just before everything, we went on this global pause. Things were just already happening. Places were starting to shut down. And I remember talking to mom and I called her up and I said, mom, I just want to tell you, I, this is just one of those moments. I'm just grateful that I get to be your son and I'm thankful for you, you that you're my mom. And I told her, I said, I'm so glad because I'm a walking prayer. I'm an answered prayer. I I, I always witnessed my mom multiple evenings when I came home from work, and I would go right into her her bedroom um, when I was in college, and I remember going into her bedroom, and I'd catch my mom on her knees at the foot of her bed praying every night, praying over our family, praying over my heart. I'm an answered prayer prayers are deathless church like if you're looking to create or to to leave a legacy man start right there with prayer we've been praying over our kids that they would find i'm like god i just pray that my daughters would marry someone that would cherish their hearts and we've started praying for them since they were little because it's like the second greatest and biggest decision of your life next to following jesus who you're going to marry And I pray that they are doctors and they are rich, Lord, you know. (laughs) But no, we pray over our sons. I got four kids. I got a one-year-old. I got a high schooler, junior hires, and then we got a one-year-old, right? We started over. He was our unexpected gift. But we pray over Hudson that he would find a wife that would just care for his soul and care for his heart. Church, your prayers are powerful. They're more powerful than you realize. It's not optional for the believer. It's an expectation of our Savior. Prayer is not a spiritual discipline practice just to avoid a crisis or a posture of repentance before God. It's not an oh God help moment. Those are important. Like those, how many guys have had, oh God, help moments and God hears you, but I'm, I'm, I'm calling you to a deeper place. Prayer is not just an, oh God, help moment. Prayer is alignment. Prayer is connection. And prayer is the evidence of intimacy. You know someone walks with the Lord because they pray. And there's a difference between a believer who's a Christian and prays and then doesn't have the residue or the stench of that person that they're praying with than someone who carries the nature of the Father. Like my heart and my prayer hasn't been, God, make me a super Christian. It's I want to carry your nature into every situation. I want to be a dad in every situation. I want to be understanding in every unknown situation that comes at me. Prayer is the evidence that you've been with God. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. He died not just for eternal life, church, but an earthly relationship, a connection with you. And some of us are selling ourselves short of that deep connection with our creator because we see prayer as optional. I want you to declare something with me. Words are powerful. This is a prayer. Say, I am created for more. Well, I want you to say it again, because some of you guys didn't say it. So I want everybody in the house to say it. And those of you that are listening, I want everybody to say this with me. Say, I am created for more. Well, say it again. Say, I am created for more. When you're running into a hard situation, when you're dealing with a, a relational challenge, when you're dealing with the unknowns that all of us are dealing with, I want you to say, I am created for more. Yet you are created for more. God is calling you to a place of more. Luke 12, 32, it says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So if I could break this down and just unpack this simple scripture behind me, this is powerful. This is Adam's translation of when Jesus is speaking to his followers. It would be this. This is what this means. Do not allow fear to win or paralyze you. I believe you can rise above your anxiety. And then he says, what? Little flock. What is he saying? Identity, my child, my children, sons, daughters. And then he says, your father, your dad, who is the source of all things with a happy and sincere heart, desires to give you all that he has. That's what that scripture means. Where are you going with this, Adam? Hang with me because it's always going to come back around to this truth. It's always going to come back to the core message of who I am. In the voice translation, it says this People of the world who don't know, this is verse 30, just before 32 in Luke 12. People who don't know God pursue these things. And he's talking about things that are unhealthy. But you have a father caring for you, a father who knows all your needs. Since you don't need to worry about security, safety, about food and clothing, pursue God's kingdom first and foremost, and these other things will come to you as well. Verse 32, where we just were, my little flock, don't be afraid. God is your father, and your father's great joy is to give you his kingdom. Why is this significant today? You guys still here? Is everyone good? Because I didn't get any coffee coming in. why is this significant today? This is the biggest power statement that I have for you. You need to write this on your eyeballs backwards so that when you look in the mirror, you see it every morning. This is how big of a deal this is today. Power statement, all of us, believers, sons and daughters, little flock, eventually we must learn to pray from who we are and not from crisis. Eventually, you and I need to learn to pray from our identity and not from a place of fear. Why is this so important? There's very little authority in fear. There's no authority in crisis. There's desperation. There's nothing wrong with desperation, but at some point, we've made this connection with God, and we see ourselves rightly before a good God. Hebrews 4.16, Therefore, let us draw near. I have a lot of scriptures, And we're almost done with the scriptures, and I have a core scripture I want to land the plane in. But it says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Everybody said confidence. How many of you guys have ever approached God or church or a moment in the church with just feeling low, beat up, not enough, I'll never measure up? Well, what does God invite us to? Paul's inviting us. He says, with confidence. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Authority isn't about your volume. It isn't about your, your, your eloquency to pray, how eloquently you can pray. There's a time for volume. There's a time for eloquence. But at its core, authority is about position and posture authority is about position and posture and I want to make this statement today because sometimes I think we forget as believers I know I can when you get beat up a lot by circumstances in your life you are not weaker than the devil you are not weaker than your enemy the only power he has is that which you have given him he he, he can only drive your 67 fastback if you give him the keys And you shouldn't be surprised when that thing comes back and it's marked and it's beaten up and it's broke because you gave him the keys. But until then, you have the 67 fastback. It's out of his reach. Are you tracking with me? The enemy can, he's not stronger than you. He's afraid of who you really are. And I'm calling you to a place, church. And I want to, like I said, we're just going to get there. I just want to move there because Christ believes in you so much so that he's entrusted his kingdom into your backyard. He's given you the keys to his fastback and expects you to take that fastback and destroy the works of the enemy, John 10, 10, right? With, with prayer, with your heart. That's the job of a professional Christian. That's the job of a pastor. No. No, it's, it's not. It actually says in Luke 10, 19, Jesus says to his followers, he says to his sons and daughters, he says, behold, I have given you authority. What? Over all, right? Over all the power of the enemy. I want to ask you guys some questions today because this is important because eventually we've got to learn to pray from who we are. Eventually. Right? Because there's no authority in crisis. There's authority in position. There's authority in knowing I'm a, the king's kid. There's authority when I know I have the refrigerator rights. I don't ever have to ask if I can have cereal because it's my house. It's my refrigerator. I'm the son of the king. Right? And so come along. Come, come tunnel vision. Come to this place. I want you just to focus in as we land the plane here. And he's, um, you can come. Up and do your thing, man. Do your thing. i want to ask you this question. Where do you, where do you pray from? If you were to just be honest before the Lord, be honest before God, Holy Spirit, what position are you praying most from? The position of authority or the position of crisis? The position of desperation or the position of identity? W- where are we praying from? I'm not anti-us praying from desperation. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying eventually we've got to move to a place. If you're only connecting to Jesus because of crisis, then you're missing out on your destiny and purpose. If, If you're only coming to him when you need him to show up and do his thing, you're missing out on the sole purpose of what God has destined you for. That's what I'm saying. God is inviting us to more. So... I say often to our kids, I say often in our our community at Awakened Church that prayers of a righteous man availeth much. It's found in James 5, that the prayers of the righteous change stuff. People who are righteous, their prayers are heard by God, and then the kingdom moves because of that righteous person, right? That's what that scripture states. I want to ask this question today. How many of you guys are righteous? How many of you guys are righteous believers? if I was to, to 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 do a scale on a scale of 1 to 10 and ask you, and we're going to do this. How about when I count to three, I want you to give me a number. 10 being like, man, I am righteous. I am right before God. Like today, I am sanctified, brother. One being, you know, like I kind of, I messed up this week. I Um, I was actually in a fetal position before I came here tonight, Adam. Like, I'm a one, probably. So one, I'm not really all that righteous. Ten being like, you are fabulous, you are righteous, and all that it means. And on the count of three, I want you to shout out a number. Everyone in the room, shout out a number that you believe you are. Ready? One, two, three. Now, what I love about this illustration, Pastor Jim's done this illustration a few times for different things. What I love about it is the next question would be from me to you is, why would you give yourself any number less than 10 when righteousness isn't predicated on your behavior? If you don't get this, you miss everything about the gospel trust me, if you don't get that it's about your authority and who you are is what God is trying to lead you to, you'll miss everything. And this will just be another religious practice. This will just be another performance-based thing that we do that has no meat or, or purpose. What I love about this illustration is it reveals the character of or the heart of a believer and where they see themselves before the Lord. Isn't it easy to believe that I'm saved, but it's another to believe that I'm holy. It's easy to believe that I'm I'm probably gonna get to heaven because I said the spell that got me out of hell, man, like many years ago, right? I said these words, so I'm believing that, that God's gonna rescue me and take me to heaven, but it's one thing to believe that I'm righteous before a good God. God is inviting you to this place where you don't see yourself as millions of others or billions of others who pray to God and your prayers don't matter. How many of you guys are righteous in this room? I want to take you on this little journey Romans and I think last year you guys we did a study last year in the book of Romans. Was that last year? Last summer? I can't remember you invited me to come speak. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I don't remember either. Could have been two years ago for all I know. Um, Romans 3.10, it says this, that as it is written, no one, not one person is righteous. Right? Isn't it interesting that I think most of us read the scripture to affirm what we think we're not instead of to affirm our faith? I think a lot of us approach the scripture to affirm our fears and our doubts before affirming who we are. And so in this moment, I've had people argue with me, but Adam, it says in the scripture that no one's righteous. So how can you call yourself righteous? Hang with me because this is a moment where where Paul is having a sermon. And this is actually the sermon that's long-winded. And you guys ever heard of Eutychus, the guy that fell out of the window because Paul was preaching so long and he died? Right? If your neighbor is sleeping, wake him up right now because, uh, if you die, I don't have the same faith that Paul had to raise him back up from the dead. So Eutychus, he raises him from the dead, and then he goes right back to preaching. Anybody familiar with the story? Well, he's actually teaching. He's This is his teaching. This is his sermon. So it's a Romans isn't just separate books. It's actually a complete thought. It's a long, complete thought. And so he goes on in Romans 4, and this is what he says, which is interesting. So 3.10, he says, as it is written, no one's righteous, not one. And then 4, he says, four through six, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. In other words, if you work and earn things, that's what you receive. You receive the wage that is due because of your work. Verse five, however, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith, their faith, Their faith in Christ is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works in the book of Psalms. What's interesting about this, it's not who you are that holds you back or from connecting to God. It's who we think we are not. It's not who you are that holds you back, church. You just don't know who you really are because when you know who you are, you know what to do. Authority comes from a place of identity. There's no authority in crisis. There's authority in position. There's authority in that you carry the name of Jesus. I love another pa- uh, Uh, translation actually says, God's work is enough. Man, God's work is enough. You got to get this today. God's work is enough, but no one earns God's righteousness, right? Verse five, it can only be transferred when no, when we no longer rely on our own works. Hear me today, nothing you will do in your own strength can be the determining factor for your righteousness. It is not your actions that make you right. It was his actions that made you right. And if it's not my actions, my good actions that can make me right, and I'm going to challenge some of your guys' theology just just a little bit, and then I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit about it. If it's not my good actions that can make me right, then it's not my poor actions that can make me wrong. If righteousness isn't predicated on my actions at all. Now I'm not saying there isn't responsibility for our actions, right? You guys are getting me. When you make bad decisions, there are consequences. God is very clear about that. I'm not talking about that. But bad, ha- bad behavior is not because I'm I I I, I keep messing up. It isn't because I I got to change my behavior. It's called I have a broken relationship. I've missed the mark. I've missed the mark on connection with God, right? Jesus says something powerful in John. He says, "If you love me, you'll obey me." In other words. Obedience is the fruit of relationship. Good behavior is a fruit of relationship. Bad behavior is the fruit of a different relationship. Are you guys tracking with me? It's not your actions that make you righteous. It was His actions that made you right. And God calls you to this place, and I want to ask you again, what position are you praying from? Are you, are you praying from the position of authority or the position of fear? Because we've got to learn to pray from who we are and not from fear. There is little authority in fear. Authority comes from the knowledge of knowing your position and whose you are. If today, well, I, I was just thinking, I guess. If today you found out that you were Donald Trump's son or daughter, If you found out today, then you would know that this Christmas, you ain't asking for a television, you're asking for a helicopter. Anybody know what I'm saying? It's amazing when you carry the name of someone, the authority that it gives you. Are you tracking with me? You carry the name of Jesus. You carry the name of Christ. Your last name would be Christ, you know. No, just kidding. It's just Jesus Christ. It's a tough crowd. Doesn't matter. Got to know your theology. So core core scripture. First Thessalonians. Last scripture if we can put up there. First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. This is a core scripture of my life of our family. Um, uh, my wife's gone. Um, But it's a core scripture of who we are. And this is actually a powerful scripture. And it makes things simple in seasons of unknown, in seasons where we're we're just trying to find answers. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Adam, I need a roadmap today. Some of you guys came in, like Pastor Jim was saying, and he's been praying and believing. This was your night. You're like, I need a roadmap. I need a practicum. I need breakthrough in my marriage or breakthrough in this situation, and I'm giving you some keys to the kingdom tonight. And so you got to come to this. Like, Adam, I, I I don't think I need another scripture. Trust me, you need the voice of God in your life. And it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Well, what do I do in an unknown season? What happens if the economy bails or breaks or fails, Adam? What happens if politically it doesn't go the way that I'm hoping or politically or emotionally I don't respond the way I should? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, and notice it doesn't say for everything. It says in everything give thanks. Because in order, some of us believe that in order for us to give thanks, something has to be happening, good has to be happening for me to count the blessings in my life. Notice it doesn't say for everything, it says in everything. Whatever you're going through, you choose to give thanks. What I love about these scriptures is that each of these practices, because that's what they are, are choices regardless of whatever is happening around us. Like they're, regardless, guess what? It doesn't matter what demographic, rich, poor, middle class. It doesn't matter, black, white, all the other colors in between or after or before, whatever they fall in the color scale. It doesn't matter, guess what? All of us have the opportunity to practice rejoicing, praying and giving things. I love this because this, these practice, practices call our feelings to alignment. You don't have to feel full of faith. Things don't have to be perfect in your life to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. What I love about these scriptures is that if you were to look at it, what stands out about it is that God's will, because it says what at the very end of it, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, God's will isn't merely focused on a career path. I, I sit with young adults and I sit with older adults who are 50s and 60s, Adam, I don't know what to do with my life. What am I supposed to do? And I'm like, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. If you do that today, you're in the will of God. How do you know? Uh, It's in the Bible. (laughs) It says right here, these are the words of Jesus. It's not, we complicate everything. We overcomplicate prayer, right? And the other thing you can pull from here is that these practices are all acts of your will. They're all acts. You get to choose at any moment. How many of you guys felt like you had an opportunity this week to rejoice? No one felt like they had it. How many of you guys had an opportunity this week because you felt like giving thanks when someone cuts you off? Oh, bless his heart. Right? Nobody feels like it but that's what I love about these. This is like church. This is your secret weapon. Prayer is your secret weapon. Giving thanks is your secret weapon. When I'm discouraged, and I was just telling Pastor Jim, I I made a list of like a week, a typical week for a pastor, and I had just done a funeral, a suicide of a 21-year-old of a family in our church, and then the next day I heard Tragic news about another family. And then the next the next day, literally, Brooke and I are sitting with a couple and they just had affairs. And I'm like, it's insane. I'm sitting with these people, and a whole week went by, and we're bickering about hashtags and we're bickering about all these different things. And it's like, man, there's real people with real issues. And they need a real God. And our secret weapon, we're just not practicing it. And so at the end of the week, I remember telling Brooke, she's like, Adam what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking a day off. I'm not going in. And I know that there's staff meeting. And I said, I just need a personal day and I'm not going to do it. You're going to do a great job of leading it. And, and I just need to stay home with the kids. And so I did. I just took a day off. And I, I was taking a walk with my one-year-old son. And, I, and, and we go on walks all the time because that's what you do when you want to run them down so they can take a good nap and so we're just taking a walk and hanging out and we're exploring and looking at pine cones and trees and he's talking about the park 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 and he's just telling me what he did at the park 45 minutes in we're going on this long walk in a moment and I said out loud early morning I said God thank you that I get to raise this son of mine Thank you that I live in this neighborhood, and we get to find pine cones. I'm talking out loud. Like, I'm saying this. You know why I'm saying this out loud? I bet the neighbors thought I was crazy because it's quiet in our neighborhood. It's beautiful, and there's trees. There's a green belt, and we get to go on this, like, cool little pathway that they have, and you can ride your bike and walk, and it's beautiful. And I'm just saying it out loud in, in people's back, backyards. Thank you that I live the life that I get to live. You know why I was saying it out loud? Because this mind of mine thinks a lot of lies and thinks of hopeless situations and hurts for all the people that it has to encourage. But did you know that it's hard to think a lie when you're speaking the truth? It's hard to feel a certain way when you start speaking the truth. And the moment that I got to my third thank you, (laughs) I was just so grateful to be alive. I get to live in 2020. It's gonna be a memorable year. I hope it's only one year. (laughs) but I'm alive today do you guys see what happens I don't feel like praying man when you start declaring the promises of God when you start saying God use me instead of bless me God make me a blessing it's amazing how aligned your heart comes into truth and what does it say in Matthew 5 it says you're operating in your truest selves when you respond in prayer when you respond I thought I was supposed to respond with like a you know a a banner, a, you know, whatever, what I believe. It's like, no, you respond with prayer, the energies of prayer, because it is your truest self. It is your truest God-given identity, rejoicing, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks. So I want to pray for you guys. Oh, oh, yeah. So uh, how many of you want to want God's will for you in, in tough times? How many of you guys want to walk in God's will? Last power statement. Can you put that on the screen? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Chris. Stoveck. Didn't mean to call you out. I love you. The last power statement, if you have it. The will of God naturally becomes the will of believers through an intimate relationship with Jesus through prayer. Your will will start to align with God's through the channel of prayer. That's why it's not optional. It's your way of finding out who you really are and being able to run in who you really are. I call you to a place of art and love. And so how many of you guys want God's will for you during tough times? Yeah, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, not for everything, in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I wanna pray for you guys today. Father, I just ask that over the next few days, those who maybe don't have a consistent communication with you, a consistent relationship with you, I pray the next few days, God, that you would wake their spirits up, God, and that this would be the beginning of an intimate time of putting you first through prayer. God, we choose to put you first in our day today. God, let this be the beginning of a new week beginning tomorrow. Let this be a beginning of a new day, a new era for our families, for our hearts. God, we want to put you first. I pray, Father, this would be the beginning of seeking you first today. In Jesus' name. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yeah, so I say over every son and daughter in this house... I want you guys to look up here and look if you can look at me in my eyes even though I'm going to try to scan the whole, everybody. This is so weird, right? I just want to say it from a place of being a brother of yours in the kingdom of God and just being a voice peace of the Lord. You are righteous. You are righteous. Jeremy, you are righteous. I don't know where you guys have come from in this week. I say to you, you are righteous. Hools, you are righteous. Jason, you are righteous. Dobek, you are righteous. Yeah, Jason down here, there's a lot of Jasons in here. David O, you are righteous. Mandy, you are righteous. Begin to pray from that position he hears your prayers and your prayers are deathless and your authority comes from who you are. Yeah, so let it be so. May he make his face to shine upon you. Yeah, and may he go with you the rest of this week. And may you step into every environment with the authority of Jesus Christ. And if you need to talk out loud because you're believing a lie, then you say it out loud. And you instruct your mind and your heart into the position. Christ because you carry his name.